Good morning. Welcome everyone here this morning. This is the first Sunday of Advent. So as we welcome you here, we want to read some scripture and reflect this first Sunday before we do anything else, before we get into our singing and into our presentation this moment. And I know it's November. It feels early. But as we gently ease ourselves into it, I think that this will be... Mm-hmm. Advent's going to mean so much more when we take the time to reflect on all the stages of it. This week is hope. So, none of the candles are lit yet. I'm about to light one in just a second. But if you think about it, before they lit the very first candle, before Jesus was born, all was dark. There was us in our sin. There was God in his holiness. We were separated forever. We were waiting for a new covenant, a new promise. We were waiting for a way for sinful people to become righteous. And yet the promises of old, they remain. God won't leave us. He won't forsake us. The Messiah will come. The Messiah will come. Hope is the assurance that God will keep his promises. God was faithful then and he's faithful now. No word from God has ever failed or will ever fail. We hold on to this hope, the hope that we have today in Jesus because the Messiah has come. God has shown his faithfulness to us through the birth of the King and we can be confident in the hope that we have in Jesus now as our Savior. So this morning as we read our scripture, we reflect on hope. I will be reading from Psalm 80, verse 1 to 7, and then 17 to 19. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us, restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, Will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the Son of Man who you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. I will be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, of deep darkness a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as, ro- as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, and will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing the upholding it with justice and righteousness from the, the, that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I will be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 37. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will, conceive, uh, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. be reading John 1 verse 1 to 5 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it Let's, let's pray together as we get ready to welcome the worship team up, and we're going to sing this morning and celebrate, so would you stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the hope that we have in you, that this dark world experienced light for the very first time when you came down in the form of a man, illuminating the darkness. People stuck in their sinfulness experienced freedom. People stuck in their sin experienced righteousness. Stars were lit up in the sky, like people came from other countries following this star because light had appeared, and they had no idea just to the extent that your light would appear. When you went to the cross, carried our sin, and then raised to life, defeating death, now offering life to all people. That's the hope and assurance that we have in you. That in that moment of darkness, when you appeared, Lord Jesus, you were faithful to the promises of old thousands of years before. And today, here in this room, I can celebrate with my family, with my church, knowing that you will still be faithful 
to your promises of thousands of years before. There is hope. That's why we light this first candle and that's why we sing, because we have hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you in your holy name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Join us as we sing about our amazing Lord today.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome here this morning. I have a feeling like rock solid is going to have to bend down a little bit. I like that. A few announcements for you this morning. I just got a kick out of that. Okay, a few announcements for you this morning as we get into our service. A few of them are... Uh, we have a few tough ones this morning, but then a few really encouraging ones. Uh, Dave... Penner was just letting me know that Joe Penner passed away this morning. Joe, so for any of you that know her, there'll be a memorial service. Uh, it'll be planned. It's not planned yet, but she passed away this morning. So just so all of you know, you can talk to Dave if you want to. Uh, if you know Joe, you can talk to their family and be praying for them as another COVID funeral where people are separated and people aren't traveling very much and hopefully they're able to have a memorial together at some point with the whole family. Um, another one, <laughs> this week we had a visit from the uh, COVID rules enforcement officer. First time this last year and a half, so really nice guy that came in and visited with me and Patricia here in the church. So just good encouragement to keep being diligent. Thank you all for uh, wearing your masks when you're in the building. We appreciate that. Um, up on stage, uh, I'm allowed to with the distance I have from everyone but when we're all up here, when we're all in here together in the church, thank you all for participating in doing that. Hopefully it doesn't last forever, but the community is watching and noticing, so it was encouraging to see the rules enforcement officer come in and then compliment us on doing a good job. So keep up with that, please, and thank you. Um, missionary Christmas cards. So Paige was telling me that there's going to be cards for you they're going to be on the office counter. They're coming, and you can take them home and fill them out for our missionaries. Once you've filled them all out, you bring them back to the church, and then she's going to mail them. So just start watching for those. I think next Sunday the Christmas cards are out. This week the Christmas cards are coming. So show up, go to the office counter, grab some Christmas cards, and you can write them. Now that we've been reflecting on our different missionaries for the past few months, you might know them a little more personally, so now you might be able to write them a more personal message. And then we're going to get those mailed out probably the week before Christmas, so you'll have a little bit of time to take them home and fill them out. I think that's really pretty. If you noticed in, I want to say it was the third update from Brad and Cassidy, that third email, um, asked about special gifts they've received. Uh, it was the very last paragraph in that third email. And they said that they had received uh, gifts from the churches and cards from the churches, and that had meant the most to them so far. And then Paige called and said, let's do cards for them. I'm like, oh, you can just tell how much of a difference that makes when you live so far away from home to receive something encouraging from home. So I'm sure that all of our missionaries will love that. How many of you love to sing? Any singers in the house? A few singers. Yeah, maybe. Well, on December the 5th, we're going to be singing. 7 o'clock in the evening. I bugged Chantel. She was going to come up and do the announcement, but she's holding a baby, so I'll do it for her. That, uh, the worship teams together, uh, Chantel's, uh, Rachel's team, Carly's team, it's fun. They're, they're coming together to have a night of singing. It's going to be on December the 5th in the evening at 7 o'clock, and they've picked a whole bunch of songs. And we're just going to get together and sing. There's going to be some scripture reading. It's going to be really encouraging. So if you're free on that Sunday, if you want to come, I think it's going to be incredibly uh, unifying and bonding and just filled with hope. That's on December the 5th. And who knows, maybe if we ask really nice, 
that same group will sing for us on Christmas Eve and plan us a Christmas Eve service, hey? Maybe, just maybe. <laughs> um, in the bulletin, I want to bring something else to your attention. There's, uh, Patricia was telling me year-end financials. In December, you always have to remind people because lots of people make donations to the church at the end of the year. We're closing the church office for the last week of December because Patricia and myself are taking holidays. So you're going to have to have your year-end donations in by the 26th. Otherwise, you're probably going to find a church that's locked with the lights turned off because we'll be on Christmas break. So make sure you get those in. And also in the bulletin, the financial update. 57. That's the goal. 57,000 in the red. We're going to do this in five weeks. You watch, Brett. Five weeks. 57,000. We're going to do this. So that number, that red number, is going to be a black zero in five weeks. I dare you to do it. And I'll step up and I'll do it too. We're going to bring that number down to zero. So you watch. This will be our biggest month of giving. We're going to clear, clear the red numbers in the bulletin. I believe we can do it. We're still doing the church food drive. You notice the Salvation Army uh, food bin is still out in the foyer to continue to bring donations. And uh, the food bank came the other day. And the two, uh, two guys that came and grabbed all the food couldn't believe how much food was in the foyer. They had to haul it all out in boxes and bags. So let's surprise them and let's fill that whole bin one more time. Okay. I think that is most of the announcements I wanted to bring up. There's still more in the bulletin, but you can keep reading the bulletin. I won't read the whole thing. Next is our prayer time. And I was visiting with Leona this last week. And Leona said, let's pray for the persecuted church. In November, often, we have the day of prayer for the persecuted church. And as I was preparing the Advent readings, thinking about hope. Boy, you start to pray for the persecuted church a lot differently when you light a candle to reflect on hope. It's so easy. You just wake up in the morning, you have your Cheerios, you drive to Bridgeway, and you have church. You have this celebration, you have this service. I can't imagine what it's like to live somewhere else where it's, it's dangerous, it's against the law. You might be killed, kicked out of your own family, sent out of the country for wanting to get together with a few people and sing and pray. How do they do that? How do they, how do they continue with that over and over without fear? I wonder if it's the hope that they have that gives them peace. Talk about having peace during a scary time. I think it's because of the hope we have in Jesus that he's faithful to his promises. That we have assurance in what he has said. And it gives us hope. So let's pray together. And as I pray For the persecuted church, I want to remind you, this is your prayer time. If there's other things that are on your heart, then you just take a moment when I'm praying and you pray for those things that are on your mind too. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the great hope that we have in you. Thank you for your mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can pray with my family, that I can pray with my boys, and we can have hope in you. Lord, I pray for people around this world who don't get the safety 
of the security that we have as we come to worship, but for them, it's life and it's death. It's exclusion from their families. It could cost them everything. Lord, I pray this morning you'd fill them with hope. That as they share their faith and as they live out their faith diligently, that you would multiply, Lord, the disciples. That people would come to know your name. That people would come to find life in you. People would experience hope for the very first time. Lord, I pray for the people in our church who are in need of hope or who are filled with hope. Thank you for them. Lord Jesus, as we celebrate Advent and as I reflect on Advent as I get ready to spend it with my own family, would you clear away the distractions that often make it so hard to focus? Remind me of the reason why I came to believe in the king, came to believe in the baby in the manger so many years ago. Lord, restore joy and love and peace and hope to me this Advent and in my church family. Lord, I want to pray for Rock Solid as well, here to be our guest speakers and presenters, and I think about the impact that they make in people's lives. For the hope, students that come in, who maybe their families lost hope, maybe they've lost hope, and for the first time, they might hear about the baby in the manger, the king who was born, God who came down out of perfection and joined the mess. I pray that young, young men would find hope in you at Rock Solid, that that would never stop, that as they break their addictions and get set free, most of all, that they would find hope in you, they would find a savior and a king. Lord, take care of this church family. Unify them on mission. Lord, get them excited about living out their faith this next month, about proclaiming to this world the life that they found in you, that we will be Advent candles, that we will be bright flames wherever we go, whether it's Black Friday shopping at Walmart, <laughs> wherever it is, whether we're at work, and people just say, why do you celebrate Christmas the way that you do? You say, because our King has come, we've been set free. I have hope. This Christmas, we celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Even as we announce um, somebody passing away and a family in our church begins to grieve, as many families have throughout this year and a half of being separated from one another and we're grieving again, we still hold on to this hope. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we, we do not mourn as those who have none. Mourn as people that have no idea what comes next. Thank you that we have assurance in you. Thank you, Jesus. Prepare our hearts, Lord, as we go into another time of singing. Would we come before you, Lord, with joyful expectation? Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord Jesus, reach our community this Advent season. We pray that your gospel would go out and would come back fruitful. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us again.
children are dismissed to Children's Church. I'm going to call up Rock Solid now to their presentation is about to begin. Make sure you guys got a
there, I think I got my mic on. It's a big day, right? So we've got to keep that in mind. It'll mean something a little later. How are we all doing today? It's good to be in the Lord's house, right? Praise God. What an honor and a privilege it is uh, for us to be here with you today, to, for us to join you in this, in this place where God's people are gathering and we, and we pray that God will prepare us to be the church scattered when we leave this place. Um, the world is in desperate need, uh, and they need, they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's good to be with you again. It's great to do my annual visit here and to update you on some really exciting things that, uh, that we have going on at Rock Solid Refuge. So, so thank you once again for the opportunity to, to be here. Thank you, Darren um, and, and church board. For allowing us to come. So if anybody is unfamiliar with Rock Solid Refuge, I want to go over a few things as well as do a bit of an update of some things. Uh, and then we've got a few uh, testimonies and stories that we want you to hear of God's work um, going on uh, at Rock Solid Refuge. So um, we work with young people with life-controlling issues, substance abuse, pornography, challenging behavior, uh, young people that uh, come to us from all across Canada. And if you don't know where we're located, we're about an hour's drive uh, south and west of here, kind of in the middle of nowhere, between here and Shaunavon, so to speak. Shaunavon's kind of our hometown in a lot of senses. Our students who come to us, uh, one, one of them that's here today from places like Vancouver, drive up and go, Woo! Um, and he won't share this in his uh, presentation, but the b- first five months that he was at Rock Solid, he uh, was looking at pictures of Vancouver almost every day. Uh, he really missed it, um, but uh, he, he kind of got over that uh, the more he got to ride horses and stuff. Anyways, we work with young people with life-controlling issues. We're really excited about what God gives us the opportunity to do in these young lives Um, And we're so excited that we do it here in southwest Saskatchewan. We are bringing God's transforming love to adolescents with life-controlling issues, that they may know freedom, restoration, and hope. Now, before the church service already, somebody had an interesting question for us as to, what about girls? Um, And so this is kind of our vision statement. So the previous one was kind of our mission statement. This is our vision statement, because we really believe that what we are today what we've become, what we've been able to do is not all that we believe that God wants for us to become or, or, or do. Uh, we've been doing this for about 14 years now, 14 and a half years, and we're just so excited for all the lives that we've been able to touch, but we really do believe that uh, 14 beds in all of Canada is not enough. Anybody agree with me? 14 beds is not enough. So we are working to see effective, biblically-based residential treatment programs Canada-wide, ministering to male and female adolescents and their families. And there's some hints that God is giving us that um, that might be on the horizon fairly closely even. Um, And so we're just asking God for the wisdom and the resources and the people to come alongside us that we might be able to see a girls program um, really really come about uh, for Canadian um, teen girls. Um, that one didn't work. Maybe now technologies. Here's an, a really exciting um, thing that's happened this past year. We have wanted to get moving towards more of a house kind of a setting for our students. And we have an older house, well, it's a really old house, on our property that we were able to change the windows, do some, a few renovations, and, and so this is what one of the rooms looked like before we um, did this to it. And, um, and really, 
created a, a transition house. Four of our students lived in it over the summer, and it was really an amazing, amazing opportunity. And uh, this young man got to spend the last two weeks of his program in this room by himself, not sharing it with four other students, uh, which, was, which was really cool. And just the home environment of that was just, just really incredible. Um, the students not only enjoyed it, but the, the ability to work with them in that more home environment was really cool. And that's really what we hope for uh, the future of Rock Solid to become, that we would be able to build houses out there. So in order to expand the number of students that we work with, but also maintain the close-knit community feel, um, we really do hope to build uh, several houses out there and be able to work with 30 or more young people at a time. Um, if God gives us kind of the signal, uh, we'd love to pull the trigger this next year on a, on a capital campaign and even build a couple of houses uh, if the Lord would give us the opportunity. But we really believe that's the next step um, on our current campus to grow both our capacity as well as our effectiveness. So we're really excited about what we've been able to do already in the transition house, what we also call the Exodus house. We're really excited, as, of all, as always, about what God is doing through our education department. Um, and I won't say much about it except to play this video for you because this one really speaks to the opportunity that we have uh, in our education department. Do I need to hit it again or do you guys press play? All right. And again. Maybe. Nope, no go. All right, <clears throat> I'll explain it since it's not going to play. Um, so th this, this is uh, Tyler Duick, our, our principal education director. Uh, he gave a little speech at our last student's graduation. Our last student who graduated came to us pretty much straight out of the Dojak Center, which is youth incarceration in Regina. Um, he had not even finished grade eight. He had, he had dropped out of school basically at the end of grade eight. Uh, so and he was 17 when he came to us, turned 18 while he was in the program. Now there's a big gap between grade eight and 17 years old, right? And so no education experience between that time. And so that was a huge, huge also barrier for him to even sign into our program because he's like, I haven't done school for so long, I can't, I can't do school. And as he entered into the program, Tyler had to just evaluate, where is he at? So one of the ways that he evaluated that was just, hey, let's do some math. Like, you're going to have to get to grade 11 math if we're going to give you an adult 12 by the end of this, this thing. Uh, so we just got to see. So they just started plugging away at some math, and, and he's like, there's a lot of gaps here. And, and Jordan had been a, a crystal meth addict. Um, and the way in which that had affected just his ability um, to think and to process and do something as basic as, as basic math was significant. But through his year at Rock Solid and at his graduation from Rock Solid, he not only graduated from our program, 
but he also graduated with an adult 12. It's just a, such a significant part of what we're able to do in the young people's lives that come to Rock Solid. Oh, it's playing. You get it twice. And Jordan's like, I really haven't been in school since like the end of grade eight sometime, probably. I'm like, all right. Well, that's, I guess, where we're starting, right? Uh, but then we're like, hey, an adult 12 is an option, but you got to be able to get through grade 12 classes in order to do that, right? Um, uh, well, actually, only a, only a grade 11 math. So I'm like, let's start on some math. So we sit down, and we start working through some math, and I'm like, whew, this is, this is, a, long, this is a long road we're starting down, to be honest. Um, well, let's just be honest. Jordan's brain at that point did not work as well as it is working today. Okay, uh, we've got we've come a long way for sure, right? Um, but that was cool because in that math class, it was actually a way for me to start to gauge um, and be able to see evidence of Jordan's mind actually beginning to heal. But all of a sudden, right, as we're working through this course, it's just like, oh man, I'm starting to see actually some big some big changes and some big differences, which was actually really, really cool for me to be able to, to see that um, as I work with you. Uh, but right now, super excited to actually just focus on, you know, just kind of that one part, the school part. It's like, you graduated, man. Like you came here with, uh, you know, just finished grade eight, hadn't really done school for a number of years. And uh, at the end of it, you're graduating. So I'll invite you forward, Jordan. Well, it's uh, my honor and privilege, actually, after the amount of work that this guy did, um, to uh, present him with a grade 12 certificate. So we know that that opens doors, right? Like, that just does. So we're so excited for the opportunity we get to do with that. Equine-assisted therapy is another part of Roxall that we've been able to incorporate more and more. Um, again, one of the students that I'll share here, Noah, in a minute, coming from Vancouver, um, probably rode horse when he was five years old and just gravitated towards it and been such an important part of his time at Roxall as well. Um, Activities are so much a part of what we do. Relationships is a part of what we do. We went to the Manette Farm the other day because uh, they did a, a project to support a number of organizations in the area. And so we were one of the recipients. And, uh, and our students were asked, what's the most significant thing that stands out to you uh, about being at Rock Solid? And relationships is what stands out to, the, to them. And so we use all kinds of aspects of our day-to-day -day routine to build those relationships with our students. I'm going to ask them to come up one at a time now to just share with you uh, what, what their journey has been in life and at Rock Solid. So... <laughs> um, I'm Finn. My story starts on July 24th, 2004 in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. Um, the first few years of my life were all right. Then I started getting bullied in school. 
I could deal with it moderately until grade two when my parents got divorced. It, let me f it left me feeling abandoned, alone, and that it was my fault. This led me into a deep depression and the bullying just kept getting worse. Finally, at the age of 12, I had enough of getting beat up daily and I started to feel suicidal. I just wanted the pain to stop. So I started hanging out with the older, bigger, and scarier kids. They introduced me to drugs. One of them handed me a joint and not wanting to be rejected, I took a pull and the pain and hurt inside of me went away. At that point then there, I knew I had found a new best friend, drugs. I started using every day and within a year I was taking hallucinogens and within a year from that I discovered cocaine, meth and various other drugs to escape the deep hurt inside of me. That hurt being from bullying, my father not being there emotionally and feeling as if I wasn't deserving of love, all leaving me feeling like a defenseless little kid. I started to fight because it made me feel like I had power, like I was in control. I started to sleep around and use women like objects to feel loved. At the age of 16, one of my best friends died from a drug overdose, and I had to come to the point in my life that I needed to change. Started going to NA. Well, one of my mentors, now a rock solid staff, took me to Narcotics Anonymous where I was told that I should go to Rock Solid Refuge. At first I was like, are you crazy? This is a one year program. I'm not going to that. Get out of my face. But after um, my mentor hearing that I should go to Rock Solid, um, he started talking to my mom and got her convinced. I had admitted that I needed help but never considered the amount of work it would take to get over my addiction. I finally agreed to go to Rock Solid there. I met my other mentor and he helped me through a lot of my hurt and we connected very well. The first two weeks of coming to Rock Solid Refuge were some of the hardest experiences of my life. Being in detox, I tried to sign out of the program, run away many times, and at the lowest point, I tried taking my life. But the staff and students wouldn't let me leave or take my life because they weren't average people. They actually cared about me. It took me a few months of wanting to leave, but after a bit, I realized these people around me, students and staff, actually cared about me. It started to feel like a home, and I started to think about the people at Rock Solid Refuge like a family because it seemed like the kids actually liked me and cared about if I got better. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. Now I've been here for almost nine months. <sighs> okay, yeah, that's, that's well. I'm um, graduating over a month early. <sighs> that just makes me super happy. Um, I came into Rock Solid Refuge at six foot, 110 pounds, um, not healthy, uh, and gained 75 pounds of mostly healthy weight. Um, but most importantly, I found God here. A passage at Rock Solid Ref, uh, English hard. Um, 
A passage of scripture that has been most important to me is Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you. Hello, my name is Noah. I'm 16 years old and come from Vancouver, BC. To tell my story seems complicated because there are so many layers that make up who we are. For me, there's a family story, a school story, and a use of my time story, and a God story. These layers overlap and influence each other in complicated ways, but I will try to weave it together so it sort of makes sense. Both of my parents come from different backgrounds. My father's was fairly liberal, my mother's was conservative. Even before I was born, there was a question of what my life would become. I wasn't planned, my parents were unmarried, and abortion was a consideration. But here I am. Growing up, there was a lot of fighting in our home. Mom trying to fix dad's issues, dad trying to fix mom's issues, and me trying to fix both of them. I have two younger sisters, and I wanted to protect them. But I really didn't know how to protect them well. All too often, I just ended up screaming at my parents to stop. This created a divide between us, and I stopped accepting their authority in my life. Eventually, I gave up and would just leave the house. I had no regard for any type of authority. School wasn't any smoother. Bounce can be different schools and different school models. By the time I had entered grade five in public school, I had several gaps in my learning. I struggled the next couple of years trying to catch up. School was another authority I began to reject. I started skipping a few classes. Then, I started skipping a few classes regularly. By the end of grade eight, I had stopped going to school completely. It was only because of a doctor's note that I passed grade eight at all. Also, in that time, I started to stay out really late, even to the point of four or 5 a.m. When I looked at my parents, I perceived academic success, so I put pressure on myself to succeed. That, combined with the stress of being awake for 20 hours a day and barely passing grade eight, made me resolve to try as hard as I could to attend and do well in grade nine. The first couple of weeks went well. I was always there on time. I ended up with a group of teachers that I couldn't connect with, so I stopped going to class again. My parents had no idea what to do with me, so I ended up in a small program called the Vinery for students who were in trouble with school. Not everyone there was like this, but some were deeply involved in the drug and party lifestyle of Westside Vancouver. If you connect the dots, the picture doesn't look good. Difficulties at home, rebellion, skipping school, and getting connected to the drug and party lifestyle and internal conflicts, my parents knew that we all needed help, and they reached out to Rock Solid Refuge. Before coming into RSR and into the first couple of months, I really struggled with the idea of being here. My sole goal was to go home as soon as possible. Then, about five months into my program, I started to see the value of being here and worked with the program. Since then, I have rebuilt the relationship and trust with my parents, began to accept authority in my life, and adhere to a structure that was not my own. Now, I'm in grade 11 and doing well in my courses and attending school. But, most importantly, This is where God comes into my story. John 15, 4-5 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from you can do nothing. When you think of a peach, there is a burden, a weight to it as it grows. The more weight there is there, the more useful it will be. But the branch can't support the weight unless it stays connected to the tree. 
I'm not sure of all the reasons why God has allowed me to have the struggles I have, but I now believe that he has stuck with me so that he can bear much fruit through me. Now, I have graduated from Rock Solid Refuge and returned to do an internship where I plan to keep, to keep growing academically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you. I always appreciate that our guys are willing to, to share. Uh, I know I wouldn't have had the courage to do that when I was their age. Um, and those are just some of the stories of what God is doing in our, in our students' lives. Um, we're really grateful for the support, like I've said earlier, from our Southwest community. One of the things was, that was fairly recent that just happens on an annual basis is uh, the Harvest for Hope um, down near Rhineland there. And I, I know some people from this church are involved in that, and so we're very grateful. And I mentioned also uh, the Monette Farms, and they started a Mission Hope project this year, and we're very grateful for their help and support as well. And that's one of the ways that people have come alongside of us and helped us with the mission that God has given us to do. Uh, Partner for Change, uh, any of you sponsors of students at Rock Solid right now? Some of you, I think, are. So thank you. We really appreciate it very much. We've got some of those brochures at the back. It's become a key way that people have come to partner with us and to sponsor a student, get, uh, write them cards and letters and get some updates from them, put their picture on your Uh, on your fridge or somewhere where you'll see it to remember to pray for them. They really do appreciate receiving letters from their sponsors. One of the students sat down in the dining room one time and read the letter he had gotten from his, uh, from his sponsor. And he's like, this is the best letter I've ever gotten in all my life. And he was so encouraged by it. And so it really does make a difference to have people that partner with an individual student in that way. Um, it really helps their progress and their program. Um, and so there's, there's lots of different ways to, uh, to participate and to come alongside of us. We do need resources as always. God has been so faithful to us in the last couple of years through all of the COVID chaos and everything. Um, so, and so um, um, we're, we're just so grateful for where we're at right now. But we do believe that God wants more uh, for, for what we're doing. We're moving a duplex housing unit both for... Uh, staffing needs as well as for guest needs. Parents come and visit on a regular basis and we need places for them to stay so they can come and rebuild those relationships with their, with their parents. We're moving a barn um, and so that needs to get done as well. Let's see if we're going to get there. And then of course just our regular regular needs as well. So here's a picture of the barn that's supposed to get moved in the next week or so. Um, it's actually right near uh, West Bank Bible Camp, and so we're excited to get that. Here's a picture of the duplex unit that will serve um, for staff housing and, ge- and guests as well. We are also looking for staff. If you so, so if you know people who would be passionate about some of these positions, youth care workers, interns, like Bible school interns, or even teen challenge recovery interns, maintenance manager we need, and a second teacher as well. So these are some positions we really need filled. We do also really appreciate volunteers that come, and so you got some time you might be bored this fall or this winter and you want to come out and give us a hand you have some practical skills we would love to have you come out Um, again thank you for allowing us to come and present I'd like to open God's word a little bit with us this morning and I really appreciate the young people that read this morning at the start of the service and the last passage that was read was from John chapter 1 so let's turn to John chapter 1 because that was where I was going to go anyways Um, 
And I want us to think about this morning, and, and this is, an appropriate, this is a, an appropriate time of year for us to think about the very basics of what it means to be a Christian or what the Christian faith is really about. And when we, and we think about that, um, I'm drawn to an illustration that does have something to do with football. Now, there is a football game this, this afternoon playing, and I uh, appreciate one jersey here that uh, is in the crowd. I didn't feel it was appropriate to wear something like that presenting here this morning, but uh, I appreciate that. Uh, we'll, we'll hope that the riders can, uh, can come on top of the, the score here this afternoon. We're holding our breath the whole time, probably. But, but think about... Uh, um, the very basics of what God has called us to. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the professional coach who was trying to get a new start with his team after a devastating loss in the championship game the year before. So it was July of 1961, and the 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team were gathered together for the first day of training camp. The previous season had ended with a heartbreaking defeat when the Packers squandered a lead late in the fourth quarter and lost the championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Green Bay players had been thinking about that, this brutal loss for the entire offseason. And now finally, training camp had arrived and it was time to get to work. The players were eager to advance their game and to get to the next level and start working on the details that would help them win a championship. Their coach, Vince Lombardi, had a different idea. This is a football. Now, can you imagine? Like, this is your life. You've lived it and breathed it from the time that you can remember. Football, you know it inside and out. Like, take me to the next level. And the coach says, hey, guys, this is a football. Where is this guy going? In his best-selling book, When Pride Still Mattered, A Life of Vince Lombardi, author David Marinus explains what happened when Lombardi walked into training camp in the summer of 1961. He took nothing for granted. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming that the players were a blank slate, were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, holding a pigskin in his hand, in his right hand, this is a football. Lombardi was coaching a group of three dozen professional athletes who just months prior had come within minutes of winning the biggest prize their sport could offer, and yet he started from the very beginning. Lombardi's methodical coverage of the fundamentals continued throughout training camp. Each player reviewed how to block and tackle. They opened up the playbook and started from page one. At some point, Max McGee, the Packers Pro Bowl wide receiver, joked, uh, Coach, could you slow down a little? You're going too fast for us. Lombardi reportedly cracked a smile but continued his obsession with the basics all the same. His team would become the best in the league at the tasks everyone else took for granted. Six months later, the Green Bay Packers beat the New York Giants 37-0 to to win the NFL championship. How do you feel about the chaotic times we live in? Do you spend your nights sleepless and your days trying to strategize how to get the upper hand so we can end with a winning score? 
You ever wonder if the gospel we proclaim is out of date, past its best before time? Is it enough? We really do believe that the most basic thing that our students need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But where is it? What is it? I love how the Apostle John starts the Gospel of John. Because he doesn't assume anything. Let's listen to this again. Some of this was read already. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is not assumed to be true anymore in our time. Our culture is doing everything it can to take away the concept of there being a transcendent God that oversees creation. He made it, he owns it. Struggling to do everything we can to come outside of that. John doesn't assume anything here. It's like he's saying, this is a football All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Think about that in our times that we live. I'm telling you, when we read the applications of the students that come to Rock Solid, we see the darkness. And it's very dark. I appreciated, Darren, what you said earlier about when hope comes, it's light coming into the darkness. Right? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Jesus being a light is just a a constant theme throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament particularly. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Oh, we have the privilege to lead one of the youth at Rock Solid to faith in Christ, to see the light come on. Right? Do you remember that for yourself? Do you remember that time? Or is it kind of this thing that's, you know, way back there somewhere, we're on to, we're on to new things, bigger and better. Now, this is the biggest and the best. Christ has come. Has he come for you? Have you come to know him as your Lord and Savior? Does that remain the best thing in your life? The best news. No other news could trump it. No other news could trump it. And no other news could decimate it. We've all, even as we were driving up here this morning, we were talking about the losses that some of us have experienced. 
Is this news of Jesus Christ, the light of the gospel, the light of Christ, does this shine brightly enough to overcome whatever that darkness is, whether it's sin or devastating experiences? Because it can feel so much like that overshadows everything, but it cannot overcome the light of Christ. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, right? Hope. Hope has come because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now think about this as John's writing this. We have seen his glory. Glory as that of the only one from the father, full of grace and truth. Now this is not... This is not John writing in Revelation of the, of the visions that he's seen. This is John talking about Christ's coming to this earth the first time. There will be a glory that will be revealed in the last day and when God takes us, his people, to heaven. But here's a glory that we cannot miss, full of grace and and truth. Some of our students aren't super excited about the Christian material that they're asked to read or Bible verses they're asked to study or memorize. It's like, I don't want to memorize that verse. I don't want to. You know what? It's amazing how over time God begins to do a work in their lives because the light of Christ in his grace, full of grace and truth, shines through. We believe very much in the overarching reality of our program being grace and truth, law and gospel. It's not all law or there's no hope, right? It's not not all grace as if Christ didn't have to do anything on our behalf, but it is all grace in the sense that his grace is enough. He sang a song, where sin was great, his love was greater. John, uh, Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he, he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do we understand our deepest need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives first and then out from there? Our times are very interesting times. It's crazy what we're, what we're witnessing and experiencing in our time. I read a book uh, this past year by a, a guy named Carl Truman. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. So if you're into kind of a really good mix of really strong Christian doctrine and philosophy, um, this is a great book. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. In it, he talks about the reality that there have been three primary approaches to um, understanding our existence in the world that we live in. 
the first two acknowledge some kind of transcendence outside of ourselves. Right? If we think about the mythological times of human history, it was not really well understood. It had a lot to do with fate, and, and yet there was this understanding that there's, there's more than just us. There's something beyond us that we either are accountable to or that is overshadowing and overseeing us. The second one is faith. So the Christian tradition would be a part of that. That we believe that there is a God. We believe there is the God. And he has created, as this passage says, he has created all things. And he oversees it all. He is transcendent. But there's the third one that seems to be just pushing forward in our time. And that is that the self is ultimate. So we remove God, we remove the transcendent, and secularism is what we're left with. And secular, to be secular is to be without a transcendent being to oversee us. So what is determining at that point? The self is ultimate as determining what is right and good. Pragmatism and personal fulfillment and therapeutic well-being reigns. Am I right? If I feel good about something, then it's got to be the right thing, right? Um, Finn kind of expressed his uh, appreciation of freedom when he took his mask off, right? We don't, we don't want to feel constrained. When we think about freedom, we want to do what we want when we want, right? And so the ability to feel good has trumped, has trumped everything. The wellness industry in the world generated $639 billion in 2020. Think about that. Isn't that, that blow your mind? The wellness industry $639 billion in 2020, growing double the rate of the tourism sector. Now, we are super concerned about feeling good, right? But built within this at our time is the push to eliminate the transcendent. We believe with all of our hearts that God created it all. He owns it all. Whether we acknowledge him or not, we're accountable to him. And God has given us his son to give us life. John 20, verses 30 and 31. And in these verses, John the Apostle gives the purpose for which he even wrote this book. And he says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Don't we all seek after life? Like, isn't that really an end goal that we have? Like, if I really have life, what does that look like? What does that mean? To put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ is to accept God's way have life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Assuming in that verse, 
Jesus is saying, hey, the only place to truly have life is in me and in the Father. The place for God's greatest glory and our greatest good is actually found in the same place. It's in union and communion with Christ. And it's in living as he has created us to live. One of the books that I really like, and I'll close with a couple of quotes here, is called Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. I may have even read these quotes here before, but I just think they're so valuable. Finding hope in the power of the gospel. And in in this book, the author Ed Welch really talks about the worship disorder that we have. And if we think about displacing God as the transcendent one in our lives, for anything else, we have a basic worship disorder. The basic theology of addictions is that the root problem goes deeper than our genetic makeup. Addictions are ultimately a disorder of worship. We will worship ourselves and our own desires or we will worship the true God. Through this lens, all scripture comes alive for the addict. No longer are there just a few proof texts about drunkenness. Instead, since all scripture addresses our fundamental disorder of worship, all scripture is rich with application for the addict. Anyone here ever had a worship disorder? I think we'd all put our hands up. So don't just look at overt behavior. Where are your affections? What gets you excited, depressed, afraid, angry, hopeless? What are these emotions saying about what you worship or what you love? These questions will begin to reveal if something other than Christ is controlling you. When principles or precepts wander from Christ, from Christ himself, they become self-serving guidelines, they make our marriages, families, and friendships, and work go better, but the goal is our own betterment more than the glory of God. Yes, it is a good thing to align yourself with God's way of thinking. There is certain wisdom in, in it, even when it is divorced from the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of Christ. But for God's people, the motive should self-consciously be for Christ. Be good and do right. Our fine messages, when they stand alone, uh, but when they stand alone, they have more in common with the Boy Scouts handbook than Scripture. Remember that in the Bible, this is who God is and what He has done always proceeds. This is what you must do. Do you know the call of God in your heart? Do you know the intimacy that He calls you to? That this God, full of glory, full of grace and truth, has come that we might be right with Him. And in being right with him, we might have life. Thank you again so much. I hope we can chat with a number of you after the service. For a second there, I was hoping that Dallas might throw the football to Ryan because he had the jersey on. But then I realized I was almost in the line of fire And if Dallas didn't throw it high enough, it was going to hit me. In the end, I'm kind of glad he didn't do that. Uh, For youth group on Friday, we played a game in different parts of the building. And in some of the rooms, we turned the lights off and then just lit up the room with just a little bit of light. 
It's amazing how even in a room this big, the sanctuary, when you turn off all the main lights and just put a few lights up on the stage, like a Christmas tree, like a candle, things like that, it takes a couple seconds, but then your eyes start to adjust. And all of a sudden, you can see across the room. The light that shines in the darkness, darkness has not overcome it. A little light, like that little candle over there, looks like nothing right now with all the lights on. It doesn't make any difference at all. It's not going to help you read your Bibles any more clearly, that little light source. But you turn off all these lights, the spotlights, the whole thing, after your eyes adjust, it's amazing that that little candle would be able to light up a large portion of this room. Darkness isn't stronger than the candle. I just imagine all of us just being little candles this Advent. Some of you are going to be candles at school. Some of us, candles with our kids and our grandkids. Some of us, it's at coffee. Some of us are still working. It'll be there. Some of us, just be the different places that God takes us this next month. Some people are going back to rock solid. And there, they're going to be sources of light in a world of darkness. So that people would know that lives would be transformed and restored. So let's pray together before we go. Let's ask that the Holy Spirit would show us places where we could take light. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much, Lord, for this morning and the reminder that you are the word. Part of every aspect of creation. Come back to restore creation to the way it was meant to be. Thank you that the fullness of God is shown in you. Thank you that grace is given to us in you. Thank you that even though your own people rejected you, the people who chose to believe became children of God. I want to thank you so much for Rock Solid Refuge and the hope that people encounter there at their program. Lord, I want to thank you for this church family. I pray that they would carry you, the light, wherever they go this week. That in a dark world, even our little light is going to shine across the room. It's going to be noticeable. It's going to make a difference. And the darkness isn't stronger than it. Give us hope, Lord Jesus, that your promises remain true, that we can have full assurance that even today you give us life. That by believing in your name, we have life. Thank you, Lord, for your church family. Dismiss them with your blessing. Go with them as they leave this place, as they take you to this world. We thank you in your powerful name. Amen. We'll see you next week. Yeah.